Welcome to this BGSM podcast. My name is Marcus Laupem. I'm a sports physician in London and a member of the BGSM editorial team. I have today the pleasure to speak with uh, Dr. Pippa Bennett about the female athlete. Pippa has been working in a variety of sports, looking after male and female athletes, but most notably, she was the CMO of the England women's football team for 15 years. Hi, Pippa. Hi, Marcus. Um, if I would be asked uh, to look after a female team as a team physio or doctor uh, tomorrow, what do you think are the most important issues um, I should know about uh, looking after these athletes? I think the the three main sort of areas I, I would advise people to to really look into and uh, and research are still the ACL injuries in female athletes is 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 an issue. Um, understanding female athlete triad and actually how it fits in the the more general um, Reds syndrome. We can go into that, um, but also also. Um, team dynamics of uh, particularly you know female teams rather than individual athletes understanding the dynamics of a team and how how female athletes interact with one another and with staff um, is something that uh, people need to be aware of and something you obviously can't read in in journals let's start with the ACL then so unfortunately ACL injuries are still um, more common in female athletes um, you read various papers it can be you know up to 10 times in in one paper but generally it is still four to six times more common in female athletes than than male athletes so uh, a physio or doc working with female teams uh, female athletes for the first time has to understand um, that uh, significant injury and has to understand you know how to try and prevent it first of all um, recognize it and advise on on treatment for it if unfortunately it still happens because we can't prevent all injuries but uh, um, but working really hard on on the prevention is is i think very very important yeah you mentioned in the past that uh, fitness is a quite a uh, big issue with acl injuries uh, can you go into this a little bit so there's a huge amount of research out there, and I'd certainly um, uh, point people to to that research. And uh, for example, the fantastic work that Hewitt's done over the, over the years. Um, praising all of that, my understanding is that women tend to land with a straighter knee from jumping and also cut and turn with a greater valgus angle. Um, and there's various reasons for that. So looking really carefully into the dynamics of how your female athlete moves, um, and particularly our young athletes. So the other thing we know with ACL injuries, particularly in women's football, is that um, the injuries are happening more toward the late teens um, and in male athletes it happens in their, their 20s so what is happening with um, the, the the pubertal differences uh, um, that are uh, what is happening after puberty for a female athlete and what can we do um, to make their movement patterning um, more robust more stable um, so that they're, they're more um, uh, they're, they're readier for for the 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 rigors of, of elite sport because um, the trouble is I think for me women are going into women's football which is fantastic but it, the game is changing it's becoming more powerful it's becoming faster and some of our young athletes are not robust enough to to withstand those uh, those rigors. You're mentioning it's it's changing uh, women's football um, over the 15 years um, 
how did you um, impl implement um, uh, strategies to avoid uh, further ACL injuries over the last 15 years? Yeah, so when I started in 1999, you know, England had one senior team. It was extremely um, uh, amateur, I have to say, and uh, and we had no uh, infrastructure in order to, to get the players together for any kind of uh, fitness testing or strength and conditioning. And we worked over the years to, um, to get the budgets together so that they could get to strength and conditioning sessions, that they could train as elite athletes, not as amateur footballers. Um, And then slowly we then introduced um, screening for them. Um, so uh, preferably sort of two or three times a year we would get the squads in and look at their look at, look at their movement patterning. So we'd do a musculoskeletal screen. Uh, we'd look at strength. We'd look at their fitness levels. Um, I would do sort of some, um, you know, the cardiac screening, respiratory screening, blood screening, and, you know, treat them as elite athletes and then put individualized programs in place so that we could address the, the strength issues and muscle imbalances. Okay, thank you. Should, should we move on to uh, the female triad you mentioned? Yeah, so female athlete triad was something that was coined some years ago and it's been looked at by uh, the IOC expert panel over the years. Um, so it's a combination of um, disordered eating, menstrual disturbances and bone health. Um, it's now been put in this more um, rounded um, concept of relative energy deficiency in sport because what we know is that it's not just those three aspects you know if you don't put enough energy into your into your body as a as an athlete as a as a person um then it can obviously it can affect um your your, your menstruation it can affect bone health but it can also affect your gut function it can affect immunity uh, and it's not just in female athletes it's in male athletes too so um But it's important for anyone working in female sport talk about menstruation. It's something that, you know, we don't, I think people are reluctant to talk about and athletes are sometimes reluctant. So be open with it. It's, it is unfortunately really quite common that athletes will have some form of menstrual disturbance that may be actually pain of menstruation and that can be a big performance issue and um, I think that was highlighted with Heather Watson um, earlier on this year um, so but female athlete triad is part now we recognize it as part of the relative energy uh, defi deficiency so it's all about making sure your athlete is putting enough energy into their body um, for the uh, the rigors of whatever sport that they're doing. Do you've got any uh, specific examples of athletes uh, athletes you've treated with uh, this in the past? Yeah, so you know, thinking back, there's one athlete some years ago who who presented with foot pain, um, and any of uh, the listeners will know that um, bone stress injuries can be very difficult to treat because they or very difficult to recognize I should say first of all because they they don't follow a normal pattern you would expect that and this athlete had a navicular stress fracture you'd expect that that would be painful on impact it would you know pain wouldn't go away perhaps but you know she presented with minimal pain it seemed better when she warmed up and uh, and it would but it just didn't go away and she had a, a navicular stress fracture Um, otherwise, her bone health was fine. Um, we, 
you always, of course, you don't just treat the bone, you treat the whole athlete. So then you think, right, is this part of the spectrum of female athlete triad or reds? Um, and we talked to her about her um, menstruation, which was fine. Um, but energy deficiency, well, actually, she was not putting enough energy into her body. And, you know, it actually was because of um, a depressive illness at the time. So Again, you know, hopefully listeners will take away from this um, that we, the beauty, I think, of, of um, sport and exercise medicine, you know, like a lot of, uh, of our special specialties, but I would say particularly with sport and exercise medicine, we treat the, the whole athlete, think of the whole athlete and think about what other aspects may be contributing to this particular musculoskeletal injury and in this case it was part of REDS and it was actually a depressive illness at the time. Well, it's, it's good that you speak about um, a holistic approach uh, to sports medicine and, and you mentioned the team dynamics which uh, also comes into looking holistically after a team and, and after the athlete and if you would just explain us what do you think the, the differences uh, in looking after female teams uh, are compared to, to male teams? Yeah, so I've had the privilege of, of working in a number of sports now and um, it, it was very apparent to me working in gymnastics that the team dynamics of the female gymnastics team and the team dynamics of the male gymnastics team were so very different. So, you know, you walk into a, um, a training hall with a men's team and it's very relaxed, you know, even before a major competition um, People are sharing the apparatus. There's no set times for when you're on the apparatus. It's just very relaxed. Um, in a female uh, gymnastics team, it is rigid. You know, you have a certain amount of time on the apparatus. You move from one apparatus to another when it is your set time. And, you know, you don't divert from that. So I think what I wanted to get across with team dynamics is if people are used to working with male athletes and then they're thinking right I'm applying for this female team make sure you you just sit back and look at the team dynamics and how people interact very very carefully and don't uh, expect that how you've worked in the past with a male team is going to be exactly what you're walking into with a female team it could be very very different and and how the female athletes interact and and respond to um, injuries or respond to um, being selected or not selected. Again, don't want to generalize, uh, but women can be very different in how in how they they respond to all of those things. Um, we've got uh, quite a few um, docs and physios who uh, would uh, love to uh, look after a women's team or uh, in a World Cup. And I was wondering if you could uh, spare uh, some uh, memories uh, from your experience. Um, I think one of my fondest memories is actually when England qualified uh, for the World Cup. We qualified in 2006 for the 2007 World Cup in China. And that um, qualification uh, in France... Uh, beating France to that qualification, uh, well, we drew that match, but we, you know, we got the place and they didn't. Uh, was was just fantastic, and uh, just to see the look on the faces of of some of the the England team at that time, um, and particularly, I, I'm going to single out, you know, seeing Kelly Smith just 
fall down in tears uh, with the relief that finally she was going to um, play on the world stage where her talent, you know, ought to have been for, for many, many years was just fantastic. And especially any medic that's that's worked with a team for a number of years and seen athletes come back from injury and Kelly had had a number of injuries um, and, and seeing seeing someone uh, then, you know, uh, seeing their their dream being realized i think was was my fantastic memory so actually it was the qualification not the world cup itself the world cup was fantastic um as was 2011 in in germany um but uh yeah it was the that qualification was probably my fondest memory so women's football has been quite successful lately and uh, england actually uh, has beaten germany so do you think they can do it again Yeah, I was I was absolutely made up that the uh, the team uh, beat Germany, Marcus. Um, I can't believe that 15 years with the team and we never beat Germany, and then I leave and they beat Germany. Um, can they do it again? Uh, the gaps are the gaps are closing. Watch out, but let's hope they don't have to play them at penalties. Eh? Okay, let's see what's happening there. <laughs> um, You also worked with uh, quite a lot of uh, male athletes and teams in the past, and uh, I'm sure we have got a lot of uh, female physios and docs listening to this podcast. And I was wondering if you could uh, give our female practitioners some advice uh, looking after male teams. I think the one the one piece of advice I'd give is is apply. Don't be scared of applying. I think the more that we, we knock on that door and we knock on that glass ceiling, because there are some sports that, that are definitely underrepresented, and I love football, but men's the men's game is underrepresented for female uh, medics. So um, the one piece of advice, apply. Thanks, Pippa. That's great. Uh, so thanks for helping us understand a bit more uh, female athletes and um, maybe bringing uh, women more into uh, male uh, sports. Um, if listeners uh, want to hear more about Pippa and uh, Pippa speaking, uh, then you should uh, visit the upcoming UK uh, Physios in Sport conference on the 9th and 10th uh, of October in Brighton. Again, uh, thanks for listening to the Speeches um, podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And we encourage you all to get in touch via Facebook and Twitter. And for now, I wish you an active and hopefully injury-free day. Thank you.